today I just have a few things that I wanted to share with you because I am kind of transitioning from the younger mom to the older mom. And so um, Titus, <laughs> it's okay, it's okay, I'm getting used to it. <laughs> Titus 2 says uh, in verse 3 and 5 in the NLT, it says, similarly, teach uh, the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older women, which I'm now falling into that category, must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, and to be submissive to their husbands, then they will not bring shame on the word of God. So that's a pretty, um, there's quite a lot of stuff there to talk about. We're not going to talk about all of that today, but we are going to talk about a few things. And if you are uh, an older uh, woman, these are things that you can encourage younger women with. You know, you don't, we don't tell you what to do, but we encourage you. Um, you know, nobody wants to be told what to do. It, it, you know, we are independent nowadays, but we can be encouraged in what the word says about things and then let the Bible tell us what, sh what we should do. And so one of the first things that I want to talk about, because this is foundational, is as women, we, um, is being a wife. What does a wife look like? And the Bible tells us as wives, we are supposed to love our husbands. This is one of the best things that we can do for our children is to have an atmosphere where we are exemplifying, the marriage is exemplifying to our children what we want their marriages to be as they get older. And so the foundation of well-being for children is to have a stable home, having a, uh, the ability as a wife to be able to cherish and honor and respect your husband. And so for all of our singles, which we do have um, several in here today, I just encourage you. Uh, it makes it a lot easier to have this kind of a foundation if you marry somebody that is also trying to walk in love. If you um, marry someone that is not a Christian, they do not have the love of God on the inside of them, it makes it a little bit harder to uh, have a home, have an environment where you can raise your children. So, Note to the wise on that. You want to go and wait for somebody that is running after God, just like you want to be running after God. So tip there. All right, so society a lot of times has a certain view on women. Uh, a lot of times it, it views women to be equal with men. And we are in a sense, but we're not in the sense that we are not the same at all. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's out there, but we just went to a game not too long ago, and, you know, there was one boy and a bunch of girls, and I just have to say, the boy stood out. You know, it, it just was a little bit different. He, he threw the Frisbee a little bit further. He ran a little faster. He just had a little bit of characteristics that all of these precious young women did not have. So, and that's Okay. That's okay. Women are made wonderful just the way they are. They don't need to be a man. They are so precious. They're special um, with their own kind of strength. Women are strong, and they're meant to be strong. So they have their own kind of strength. They have beauty. They enjoy, they make things beautiful, and that's awesome. Um, and then they have a compassion. You know, just a tenderness that um, men can have that too, but I'm saying there's that this quality has been put in women, this compassion. And so, I, you know, on the other hand, God didn't make women over the home. And this is something that's a little bit hard for women nowadays because, you know what, there were a little, there were a lot of men that were, that abused that and were not nice and, and made it hard for women to want to submit. But that doesn't do away with the fact that the Bible tells us that that is a very godly, good thing in a home, and it does actually um, bring stability to your home. So women, 
you know, as wives, we are letting our husband take the lead on certain things. And yes, they're wise if they, if they get our input on it, but we don't, um, we, we don't try to take the reins on everything. And, and I just have to say sometimes that's a little bit easier said than done. So what, what do we do if we are in disagreement? We pray. You know, we pray, we take it to God because there's a chance that we're wrong. And, and so then it gives God an opportunity to help us to see more clearly on certain things. But then if our, if our husband is wrong, it gives God an opportunity to be able to speak to him as well. So, but we do want to be in an attitude of we love our husbands. We are able to allow them to lead on certain things. Um, it produces an environment of stability for children um, when that environment is in the home. And um, husbands, it is so you can help the wife by just being loving about it. You know, if you're domineering and just like my way or the highway, that's why a lot of women take the highway, you know. So <laughs> you want to, you know, so it's a, a two-way street, and that's why we, we marry wisely. <laughs> All right. Um, but, you know, sometimes I see this in a lot of, in, in some homes, where um, the man just easily lets the wife be the spiritual leader of the home. That's your thing. The church, the, you know, godly things, that's the woman's place. I don't see that in the Bible anywhere. I, I, I don't see that um, when you see, um, it, you know, God is the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not of their wives. You know, he, so, so men are supposed to take that spiritual role as head of the home and not just relinquish it to the women. But women are sensitive to the things of God. And so that's a very important, valuable um, part that they bring to a home, to the relationship, is that they love God and, um, and they're sensitive to the things of God. Uh, that sensitivity, though, can sometimes get them into trouble because sometimes they can get, you know, swayed by things that are a little bit woo-woo, a little bit crazy. And so men will tend to be a little bit more, um, that's weird. And, and that's okay because it brings a balance to the relationship. The woman is open and tender towards the things of God, and, and that's good. And men can be very much open and tender to things of God as well. I'm not trying to just say stereotypes here, but, but men do tend to have a logic about them that was like, okay, I need to make sure that this is what God is actually saying, that this is actually in the Bible. And it kind of brings that that um, stability. Another thing is that women can sometimes be manipulated and persuaded by children, um, you know, and those tears and, you know, I, I my mom, and, and before you know it, the mom is given in, and um, men a lot of times can see through those fake tears and say, forget it. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I'm not saying that women can't see through fake tears too, but I'm just saying there's, there's just this balance that, that we bring together um, as a core. And so we want to play off of one another, play off of each other's strengths, play off of uh, let, let your spouse's strengths um, overshadow your weaknesses. And that is so much easier said than done. There are just some times where it's a lot easier to just be like, I don't see this as a weakness right now. <laughs> and, and so therefore, I'm going to hold my ground. But there are times where it's like we just bring balance to each other. And when we do that, it provides an atmosphere for our children to be able to thrive, to be able to uh, just... Um, walk in, a, in an environment that is centered on Christ, centered on loving one another, and then they are getting that example um, being uh, set in front of them. And so it's important to work together, to pray together. Um, you know, it's very important to pray for wisdom because there are certain things that aren't just extremely black and white. 
um, like, yes, this is to, what to do. No, this is what we should not do. Sometimes there's things that it's like, I, I'm not really sure what the right answer is. And in those times, we go to God and we pray and ask him for wisdom, ask him to give us direction, especially when it comes to raising our children. So now I'm going to go more into the mother aspect of things. And um, I wanted to read you guys some statistics that I found that I, I think will really um, shape how you, the urgency uh, of the importance of parenting. And so uh, one of the things that I wanted to share with you is that childhood is the number one time when people find Jesus. Um, two-thirds of Christians come to their faith before the age of 18. So your home is so important. Um, 43% of those that came to Christ uh, came to him before the age of 12. And then um, there's like after the age of 21, it becomes a lot, lot harder. It's not that it's not doable, but it comes a lot harder for people to come to Christ if they have not had any kind of a foundation, anything that's been shared with them before. Uh, the second thing is, is that parents and family ha have had the most impact on the children that have come to Christ. 50% are the ones that have actually pray prayed the prayer of salvation with their children. Of course, you know, when they're brought to church, they have the opportunity to do that in children's church as well. But 50% pray that prayer in their homes with their parents. And so that's a very important role that we have. Um, Lifeway Research said that uh, common themes, th these are some common themes that parents who successfully passed on the faith to their children, these are some things that were done in their home. These simple routines um, will help us to uh, pass on to our children uh, faith. And so one of them was children that read the Bible when they're growing up. And so it, what it looks like when they're little is you're reading, you know, the Bible stories and you're just telling them about, you know, um, you're telling them about Jesus, you're telling them about the Old Testament stories. Then as they get older, they begin to read the Bible for themselves. That's part of the reason why we have a New Testament Bible reading challenge for our sixth grade or not, is because it gives them an opportunity to see for themselves uh, godly things in the Bible that are meant for them. Uh, children that spend time praying. You know, when you, you know, spend time, you pray over the food at dinner time, you pray uh, at night time with them before they go to bed, maybe pray in the morning before they catch the bus and, you know, that their day goes well. When they're in an atmosphere where they're praying and that's a, a common occurrence, they're more likely to, to, that that becomes a part of who they are. Uh, children that regularly serve in church. Not only did they come to church, but then as they get the opportunities, they begin to volunteer in church. Those type of uh, op opportunities allow um, people to be able to be involved. And I just want to put a side note. I think it's uh, interesting how many things, sports, extracurricular activities are now on Sunday. So it makes it hard for children to be able to uh, volunteer or, or to come consistently. And so, uh, you know, the devil doesn't want children to be in church because these are foundational years in their lives. And so the more that he can keep them out of church, the more that he can uh, potentially steal their heart away from God. And then uh, another thing that influenced children that stayed uh, with the faith when they got older, um, one of the things that they mentioned was listening to Christian music and not always to constantly secular music or what we would call pop radio or, or things that the theme is not pointing them to Jesus. And so, you know, the great thing about it is today's Christian music is so much better than it was when I was growing up. <laughs> when I was growing up, you know, it it was good, it, it, it was good, but it's so much better. <laughs> it is so much better. Now, you know, I like to think, I, I was in on, I, I knew about the first Christian rap, and I tell my kids about it, 
and I sing it to them. And of course, it doesn't sound anything like today's rap, but hey, it was a start. It was a foundation <laughs> on which people have laid much better things on, but it was good. It was good. But today's rap, yeah, it's a, it's a lot better than the Christian rap. Yeah. Now, you don't want to listen to the other rap because you're going to just be constantly putting all sorts of swears and all sorts of different things, bad behavior into your mind all the time. Music, you're meditating on stuff. So if you're meditating on the wrong stuff all the time, you know, so it's very important that you have good things that you're meditating on. Anyways, let's go on. So a child's best friend was also a big influence. So if their best friend was um, a a Christian, that had a huge influence on children. So that's the reason why we have, you know, lots of opportunities for them to be around um, other Christian their age. And then um, being connected to several adults at church was another thing that helped when adults intentionally got involved with their lives. That was something that played an important uh, role, kind of a firm found, uh, laying a foundation for them. Another thing that uh, was said to have been a help is when parents ask for forgiveness when they messed up. You know, sometimes that's a little bit hard, but uh, yes, that was something that instead of being, it's my way or the highway, they were, if I mess up, I'm gonna tell you about it and ask for your forgiveness. And then parents who pointed out biblical principles in everyday life. So these are some of the different things that helped shape and, and help children to become um, anchored in their faith so that when they uh, get older and all the things, uh, the pool of the world is trying to tell them there is no God or there's more than one way to come to God, they've had such a strong foundation laid on the inside of them that they are rock. Um, a rock and, and able to resist that and to stay focused on who God is. And so, uh, so I want to talk about, as moms, our responsibility um, uh, to God is to provide opportunities for our children to be focused, to have a relationship with God. Uh, Proverbs 22.6 uh, Jim already said this, but I'm going to say it again. <laughs> Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Another scripture that I want to share with you right now as well is Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. And if you read along with me, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and they shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. When you, when you read that passage of scripture, this is not a passive thing. The, uh, our faith is not a Sunday morning check the box. Our faith is around the clock. We are focused on God. He, he's a part of who we are. And that is so important that we pass that on to our children. Because if we don't pass it on to our children, uh, they're not necessarily going to get it from other sources. And so it is our responsibility to God as mothers to be a voice in their life. Uh, you know, there is nothing more important that you are doing than to teach your children about Jesus. There's, there's no work. There's not a job. There's not a volunteer thing that you're doing. There's nothing that is more important. And I say this as an older mom who has not had kids married, so I'm not to that point, that stage of mom, but I have seen a lot. Uh, over the years, and I have seen, uh, you know, children that have walked away from God, 
And so I, I say this, there's an urgency. It is so important for as moms, we prepare our children. We pour into our children. Yes, we want them to be, um, to have the best opportunities. We want them, you know, to have intellectual stimulation and things that help them to be able to make, uh, have good jobs. And we want them to uh, be, you know, the best athletes, you know, Red Sox worthy athletes. Yes, these are things that, that it seems like are so important, but they're not as important as our children knowing Jesus. And so we cannot allow certain opportunities that our children have take our children away from Jesus because it is a trap. And I have to tell you, if you are a parent you are being pulled constantly like, I need my kid to do this, you know, because everybody else is doing it. And this opportunity is, is available for my children. My children need to go to the best colleges. They need to go to the best, um, you know, they need to get the, the scholarship for sports or whatever it is. We have to be so careful and on guard. And, the, and, and so I'm wanting to encourage you parents that yes we want our children to have the best we want them to do the best but it cannot be in place of God but yet when we have our children focused on God God can still use them to do great and mighty things so it's not it's not either or you can do both but you just can't do the uh the intellect and the sports and the everything else that is, that is out there that is being offered, you can't do that at the expense of your walk with God. The walk with God has to be the thing that is central, that is so important that we are putting into our children. And so, uh, you know, the greatest gift that we can give our children uh, is the fact that they know that there's a day when we're all going to be in heaven together. You know, just that day. What a day that will be when we're all there and we're all together. That is so important and so valuable. And you, you think, I, I'm preaching to the choir. I know. I know you guys believe this with me, but it's still important to have these things put and said because you're not necessarily getting it said to you when you're, you know, uh, at the sports place or, or wherever else you are. And so I'm just encouraging you. This is so vital, so important, how important it is to be putting God into our children, putting him. So we want to purposefully select things with that knowledge that I'm centering my life on Jesus. And so uh, that affects what jobs that we take. You know, if you have a job that is taking you so much out of you that you're just exhausted when you are spending time with your children, you have to be careful because you don't want to give everything at the office and come home depleted. And then, you know, you're a little more snippy and, uh, and, and not able to uh, hear them when they need to ask you questions and, and you're too tired to, to pray with them or, or to do different things. So it's very important. What, what kind of job am I going to select? Or if I have the opportunity to stay at home, should I stay at home? And I, I understand that a lot of times, um, you know, things have made it to where it feels like that you do have to have two incomes. And, and, but there are also sometimes choices that we can make and we should consider them. Like maybe, maybe I should consider the, the size of the house or, or the type of car that I'm driving. Um, I, th I'm saying this because there's such a pressure when you when you go in and, and you see people in there driving certain really really nice cars and and living in these really really big houses. You will get there. You don't need it at 20 quite as much. You know, take take your time. Don't do it at the expense of a foundation um, for your family. I, I've seen people that, um, 
they're, they just get married and they're, you know, just loving life. They've got two jobs and making good money and, and they buy a house with that income. And then there comes a day when the baby comes along and they really want to stay home. The mom may really want to stay home with the baby and can't because the mortgage payment is so high. And so there are just things. I'm not saying you have to live in a dump. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm just saying these are things that we're considering um, uh, because there are things that are important. Your family is more important. Your children are so important. And so uh, we want to make choices. Uh, sometimes, you know, uh, there were choices, you, you know, uh, to, to put your kids in activities. Sometimes that costs a lot of money. And, and so there's sometimes choices that you you say no to because you're you're making choices to spend that money elsewhere maybe have less paying job or whatever so that you can put into your children so I so I'm not here telling you what is right for you but I am telling you consider consider when you're putting them in activities when you're doing certain things is it pointing is it taking them away from God it's okay for them to have excellence but don't let it be something that's replacing God in the process and so uh, we don't want to have our schedule so busy that we don't have time for God you know there's just things that it's easy to keep saying yes 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 and then before you know it you're like wow I am so out of time and so we don't want to say yes to so many things that it, we don't have time to say yes to God and so keep that as another thing. Another thing that we can do that to purpose on our responsibility of training our children is to pray. Pray for them. Pray for us, you know, as parents, praying that we have wisdom. And then we, lead, we can lead by example by reading with them, reading the Bible to them, um, telling, talking with them about, about uh, things that are in the Bible, sharing with them, uh, you know, Talking about current issues. What does the Bible say? Not just what does school say or what does TikTok say or what does, you know, what does the Bible say? Shaping their, their world, being influenced by what the Bible says more than what society is trying to share with them. And so uh, it's okay to guard their minds, you know, by what we're letting what they're listening to it's okay to say no i don't think that's a good music choice for you today yeah that's talking about death yeah i don't think you want to listen that that person committed suicide no that's probably not the best song for you to listen to because there are spirits behind music and so if you're listening to depressing music guess what's going to happen that spirit can get on you and so you're protecting your children and you're saying you know what i don't think that's the best music for you to listen to and they're going to whine and complain potentially because that's what everybody else is listening to and you're going to tell them you know what but you're not everybody else and that's okay that's okay you don't have to be like everybody else you can be a solid strong leader leading the way you know and and put that vision into them you know it we can watch we can encourage them don't don't look at certain things on Instagram. Don't, don't look at certain things on Snapchat. Unfriend that person that is showing you body things that you don't need to see. You know? I mean, sometimes we just have to be real with our kids. So, no, that's not good. Check. Nope. I'll unfriend them for you. All right? <laughs> and again, it may not make you popular at that moment, but it is helpful. It's putting things into our children. Uh, there's certain things that are on YouTube that they don't need to watch. They don't need to put that stuff into them. And so we're, we are talking with our children. We're being honest with them. We're telling them certain things. There's times that, you know, uh, Jim and I have said to our children, you know, we, we wouldn't watch that. And we're adults, and we have the ability to watch whatever we want, and we choose not to. So why would we want you to do it? And as you, as you explain those things to your children, because as they get older, because I said so, 
is not always the best answer. You know, sometimes it is we're explaining to them the reason we're doing certain things is because it's for their good so that in turn, when they don't have us over their shoulder and they're on their phone and something comes up on their phone, they make the right choice for themselves because they're equipped, because they understand why they're making that choice and that decision. You know, as parents and as moms, we, we have to balance love and discipline all the time, you know? You know, walking in love with our children, but also showing them what is right. And sometimes love is saying no. So it, it just is. You know, uh, let's look at Proverbs twenty-two fifteen. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. Uh, I'm just going to let the Bible talk for the Bible right now. All right. Proverbs 23, 13 through 14. Don't fail to discipline your children. The rod of punishment won't kill them. Physical discipline may well save them from death. And that's spiritual death. You do not want your child falling away from God. That's worse than even dying. It's just that separation, eternal separation. And then Proverbs 29, 15. The rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Since we're talking about Mother's Day, I thought that was fitting. So there's that balance between being strict, overly strict, and walking and, and, and being loving and, and showing both of those. And, and loving is at times being strict. There are just times where, you know, we put our foot down. And so we definitely want to teach uh, our children the difference between right and wrong. That is very important that we share. This is right and this is wrong. And sometimes you have to say no even if your kids throw a fit. And sometimes it's a lot easier to say yes when they're throwing a fit because it's easier on you, you know, when they're in the store and they're making a scene and it's so embarrassing and you're just like, oh, I just want to hide. And, you know, you, no, you give in, you're going to have to give in the rest of their lives. <laughs> so you have to say no. You just have to say no. <laughs> and, you know, we have that responsibility to discipline our children. You know, there's, uh, there, there's I've, I've heard parents, and I feel like this is a trap. I've heard parents tell me over the years, no one in this building, in this room right now, but they've, they've told me, you know, I don't want to push my child to come to church, you know, because they're a teenager, because I don't want to force them away from God, you know, because if I make them come to church, then they're not going to want to follow after God uh, later on because I pushed them. And I want to explain this to you. That is not the approach that schools take. Have you noticed that? Schools do not say oh, if you don't want to come to school today and you're a teenager, you don't have to. No, in fact, there are a certain amount of days and after that they can miss, and after that, they're not allowed to miss anymore because it's going to affect their grade. And so as parents, we, we want to learn that this is a lie. They're, they're, if... if um, if our schools are wise enough to know that it's important for their intellectual uh, development, that they have them in school through 12th grade, how much more should we as Christians be as proactive and say, you know what, I'm not going to let my kid be out of church. It's so important. If the school thinks it's important, how much more should it be important to God? You know, I mean, I'm just saying, because our priority, what is it? The most important thing for us is to have our children serve God. More important than anything else in our life is to have our children serve God. So everything else needs to be centered with that mindset. Is this pointing our children towards God or is it taking them away from God? And so we're going to choose things that will help them. Anyways, I know this isn't like super exciting, but I hope I'm encouraging you. <laughs> 
because it is so important and it is so valuable because you know what? The majority of people get saved when they're children. And the biggest influence of them getting saved is their parents. And so that's why we're talking about that this morning. And so uh, we can teach our children, you know, that, that you don't always get what you want. That's such a valuable, valuable lesson. I don't want to do that. Well, sorry, just, it, it, sometimes you just have to do things you have to do, you know? And, and you're going to have fits. And, and, and being a parent, being a mom is not easy. It's not easy. And sometimes we're, we're it, it's, it's draining because you're, you're having to, no, you're going to do this because it's good for you. <laughs> yes, I want to say no right now because I'm tired of your whining and complaining, but I'm not going to because I'm going to hold the course because I want this result. So I'm going to do this because I want this result. And so I'm going to push through even when it would be easier. You know, another good example that we can use as parents is dinner. You know, uh, sometimes kids are like, I don't want to eat that. And you have to tell them, yes, you, yes, you do. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you want to or not. You still have to. <laughs> Why? Because you need vitamins and minerals and protein and calcium. And, and you can't just have carbs and sugar. And so, you know, so there are just days that the kids want carbs and sugars, and you're just telling them, no, moderation, moderation, you know, the, these different things. We, why are we telling them that? Because that's good for them. And so the, in that same way, we are also telling them this is good for you. You need to have God in your life. You need to be serving him. And so don't, don't let your kid not eat things that are good that are good for them now I have to say there are certain things that I don't like and I'm an adult so I get to choose <laughs> but if I spent time cooking that food you're gonna eat it you know because because there's other things I might have wanted to do with my time and I chose to cook it so it's good for you it's you're gonna be balanced you're gonna you're, you're going to have the things that you need uh, if you eat this food. All right. Uh, you know, uh, when, when disciplining, sometimes I've heard parents say, my child just won't listen to me. I'm like, why not? Why, why not? And they're like, well, they just won't do what I say. Well, then you haven't found the right button. You have so many resources. Take their phone away. <laughs> That's a huge thing. Take their iPad away. You can't watch TV. You can't do this or whatever. Whatever it takes. Yes, when they're little, when they're little, um, because of their um, length of, you know, their ability to process things. You know, one of the best things is what the Bible says. You you can use a rod. There's a bottom. You don't hit their arm. You don't hit their head. You, no, you hit the bottom. And, you know, the, that, that pain helps them to realize, don't do that again. But as they get older, you have a lot of things that you can, can use as resources. And, and so use them wisely. You know, if your kid is really social, you know, timeouts work great for kids that are really social because they don't want to miss out on anything. And so timeouts... Now, timeouts don't work for kids that are happy to color by themselves. So, you know, so you're going to have to figure out what works for your kid. So, so, and if you have more than one kid, like if you have four kids, I, I'm just telling you, different things work on different kids. <laughs> but the bottom line is you're still training them. You're still putting things into them. So there are just times if, if you don't tell them that there's consequences, they're going to find out when they get older and people, you know, just life happens and, and yeah, it's going to happen. They're going to experience consequences at some time in their life. So we are the ones in the safety of their loving, warm environment, their godly home. The, we're, we're setting those parameters for them so that when they face the world, they are prepared and they understand certain things. 
And so, uh, but I have to talk about this part. So, yes, there's the discipline and there's that, but then there's also the mercy and, and the love. You know, there, uh, love, actually, I have to tell you, I, I'm saying love as if that isn't, disciplining isn't love. I should say it's more mercy. No, because you are very much loving your children if you are saying no to them and if you are disciplining and instructing and training them, you are very, very much loving them. But then there's the mercy, too. Sometimes you can see that your child has done something wrong and they know it and it's all over their face, you know. And yes, they deserve this consequence and you're just like, I forgive you. And they're like, really? And there's just something about that that's just just so tender because they know they should have reaped a consequence and they didn't and it was your mercy that helped them not to but it was also their heart their heart towards what happened is what you is why you're able to extend the mercy if you extend mercy to a willful child that is like defiant and you're like oh I give in that is not mercy <laughs> so there are there are times where you just have to be, uh, you know, especially if you're laid back and your child is strong-willed, you're just going to have to put that foot down and say, no. <laughs> no, you're not going to win this time. <laughs> and, and, but then there are just times where it's important that, you, that you're merciful too. And if you mess up, 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's okay to be wrong. Parents, we're going to miss it. We're not perfect. It's okay to be wrong. And it's okay to tell your children that you were wrong. Now, you don't grovel. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. No, you're the parent. So you're not going to grovel. But at the same time, you're going to go and tell them, look, I did that wrong. You know what? I, I was actually under a lot of pressure, and I said that a little bit too sharp. That wasn't you. That was, that was on me. I shouldn't have. I, I overreacted. What you did didn't warrant that consequence. That was, my, that was on me. And you talk them through because when we talk them through that, then it helps them to know what to do when they mess up. And when they do things wrong, and to know that they they can get forgiveness too. Um, I'm just gonna. I think that's good there. I I have to say though, discipline when done correctly makes a heart tender towards God and tender towards you. I don't know if you've ever, as parents, if you've ever seen this, but there have been times where, um, you know, they they were. This happens, I guess, maybe more when they're younger. When they're older, they're just like, I'm, I'm mad at you. <laughs> you know, they can be that way. But I say when they're younger and, and you do, you know, maybe have to spank their bottom or whatever, they will come up to you afterwards and just give you a, a great big hug, and they just want to know, am I still okay with you? And what a, what a precious opportunity to just love on them and say, I'm not mad at you. I didn't like what you did, but I'm not mad at you. You're, you are valuable to me. You mean so much to me. And you can love them and, and, and restore them. You know, help them to know that, yes, you really messed up, but you're okay now. And it's going to be okay. And you're going to move forward. The point of discipline and mercy is to point our children to our Heavenly Father. Because all of us have had mercy <laughs> and all of us have been told and shown from the word when we need to correct something and change something. And so the, these things exemplify God to our children. Uh, the, the last point that I want to make is just that we have 18 years with our children. You know, 18 years from the time they're born to the time that they uh, graduate high school and, and go on to college or, or whatever other choices that they make. And, um, you know, you don't want to waste that precious time when they're little. It's so valuable. Sometimes when kids are really young, you think, oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It does matter. 
it's shaping them from the time they are little, that that's all they know is Jesus. That's all they know is that God is good, the devil is bad, God loves me, he's for me, he's not against me, he has a good plan for my life. And, and I can do all things through Christ. And just like David fought Goliath, you know, when I have a hard circumstance, I'm going to win. You know, all these things that we're putting into him at such a young age, those things matter. You know, sometimes people think it doesn't matter if I take my kid to church right now. They're just a baby. It does matter. It does matter because it becomes, I'll, I'll, I'll have you know this, if your child hasn't been in elementary school, in elementary um, programs, when they are middle school, it's sure a lot harder to get them to want to come to church because you know what? That's not who they are. That's not a part of who they are. And so we want to put that in our children because then when they have the choice on their own, they're going to continue saying, no, this is what I do. I do this. I go to church. I have a relationship with God. I love Jesus. And uh, when they're young, it's, it's so fun to read with them, to sing with them, to talk with them. And then when they get older, you know what? Now they're needing to understand how those Bible stories apply to their life. When they're faced with trials and, and just, you know, tough things and, and they're having to stand and, and you're, you're putting into them. I, you know, there's certain things that we put into our children when they're young, but I have to say it's much more um, when it, it's a different look, but it's so important what we tell them when they're in middle school. We want to empower them. We want to tell them when they're in middle school and when they're in high school of how they have the greater one and someone, God is at their back and they're, they're strong and courageous and they're winning and they have the mind of Christ. And so when they're taking those tests, they know God is helping them and he's, he's bringing back to the remembrance the things that they've learned. You're putting that kind of stuff into them. It's, it's you know, you don't just, okay, now that they're in middle school, now they can start deciding for themselves they can just lock up in their room and not come out and talk no that was never an option <laughs> no you're coming out and we're having a conversation right now and when you get off the bus I'm going to ask you how was your day who did you talk to what went on because if you're not going to tell me which they do tell me because I, I started that really young when they were little but you you pull it out of them even if they don't want to talk to you it's not that you hound them and some kids are more quiet than others, and you're respectful of that. But, they, but it is okay as a parent to know. Give your kid. There are certain times that they're going to be like, good. And that's about the only answer you, you may get, and that's okay. But then there's other times where you're going to hit a gusher because they need someone to talk to, and you're there. And you want to be there. You want to be able to uh, have them speak into your life, have them tell you what's going on. You don't want them to feel like they can't tell you something because you're going to get mad. Now, you may get mad, but you don't want them to not tell you because you're going to get mad. There are certain times that you're like, Let, let's work through it together. Let's work through it. Let's not, you, you don't have to do this alone. Let me be there. Yes, I'm, I may be disappointed that you, that you chose to do that. But let's work through it. Let's, let's talk it through. Let's go through this together. You know, um, yeah. So you don't, want, uh, you don't want any part of when your child is in your home to be taken for granted. And children are meant to, as they get older, to want more independence. And, and then by the time they're 18, they do want independence. They want to feel like, I'm an adult. <laughs> and that's okay. If, there, if, you have, if you've gone through different stages with your children, they will want to talk to you as an adult. 
Now they may not want to hear everything, but you can still be an influence. You can still be a, a resource for them to come to. And if you're paying their, their college tuition, you, you still have say, you know? No, you're not gonna go to that party. <laughs> That's not good for you. No, you know, just different things. I'm just saying we have resources. But at the same time, as they get older, we are giving them some freedom and then walking it through when they don't always make the right choices. And then, and then um, you know, just being excited for them when they do the right choices and, be, and bringing that balance. It's not just all oh, you're doing everything wrong. There's a lot of times where we need to be the ones telling them, you know what, you did that very well. Good job, good job. Well done, good choice. Those, that's important as parents to also give that kind of encouragement to our children. And when we, when we don't get distracted with temporal things that are gonna change and are really not, they're gonna, they're gonna burn up here on earth, earthly things, they'll burn up. When we're not distracted with those kind of things and we're focused on the eternal things, which is when we all go to heaven, when we have that as a focus, uh, we are going to be affecting not just our children, but we're going to be affecting our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren and generations that aren't even um, necessarily our family because then our children are influencing and are able to be a light wherever they go. And as they get older, they're going to be the ones, you know, uh, some of them are gonna be the pastors. Some of them are gonna be the evangelists. Some of them are going to be the ones working with children, uh, volunteering. Some of them are gonna be the ones that are uh, playing the piano and, and the drums and, and running the, you know, TV and, and the sound. And, so we're impacting, when we impact our children, we are affecting future generations for God. And so I say that, I know it wasn't like a real laughing sermon, but um, a funny sermon, but it was really meant to be something to share with you an urgency. As mothers, you know, we are so important. We are so invaluable to our families and to our children. And so, so we're gonna run well. And I know I'm preaching to the choir because you guys are amazing here and you're doing things so well. So I'm not saying this in a way that is to um, discourage or, or make anyone feel like, oh, I'm not doing a good enough. No, the fact that you're here says volumes. The fact that you love God and you are putting that into your children. But I am here to say, keep it up, good job. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep pushing forward. Keep, keep, keep that perspective, keep that mindset. This is, this is what is actually valuable. This is what is actually important uh, today. And then if we keep that mindset, then we will impact future generations.